God, lead and guide us today. Open up our hearts and our understanding, O oh God, that we may receive your word. We bless you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is good to see you. Amen. So, as I stated, we are about to start a new series um, going through the book. It is from this book here called The Five Love Languages of Children. Of Children, yes. Many of you may be familiar with that title. Just several years ago, the author, uh, a man by the name of Gary Chapman, wrote a book called The Five Love Languages of Marriages for Couples. Uh, and many of the principles in that book uh, he has applied here in this book uh, for the five love languages of children. He uh, co-authored this book with a child psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, Ross Campbell, uh, and the two came together to, uh, to put together this book. Just, just briefly, he says, Gary Chapman, the author, he's a speaker, counselor, he has a passion for helping people. Uh, for lasting relationships and that's what we want uh, not only with each other but with our with our children he is the best-selling author of the book we talked about the five love languages and basically he has turned this into a series not only for couples uh, he has done for children and there's a few others that he have done for other uh, family relationships there's another book that I want to uh, to, to get by him it's called uh, it has to do with having the perfect family, if there is such a thing. And so we want to, uh, we really want to dive in. Um, as we talked about um, over this year, Pastor Corner has a vision for, for building people. And this is one of the things that we want to do. We want to start with our families. Uh, we want to start with our children. And we want to build healthy relationships because if we can build families, we can build relationships with one another. God can build ministries within this church. And then uh, we can see the, 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 the passion and the desire that our pastor has to, to fulfill God's uh, desire to build churches. He says, on this rock, I'm going to do what? I'm going to build my church. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be diving into this book. We'll be... Uh, talking about uh, the five love languages of children. Um, <clears throat> this week, this this Sunday, we will we will kind of lay the foundation. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit uh, about the five love languages, and then probably over the next couple of weeks, we'll dive into each one of the categories. And so, what do I mean? Uh, it is it is obvious to most of us that most parents love their children. I mean, it's just a natural uh, reaction when that child is born. You can remember when Kristen was first born and you picked her up and you held her and you rocked her. There was something in you that, that opened up. Mothers, when you have that child and you can, it even starts before the birth of that child. You can feel them moving around and struggling on the inside of you. There's something that uh, begins. Uh, the care and the concern that most parents have for their children are very apparent. Parents themselves will, will often tell you how much uh, they love their children, 
And then they will give you uh, a, a litany of reasons why they love their children. And they will tell you about all of the great things uh, that they have done for them, uh, for all of the toys and all of the things that, you know, we provided for them. We put clothes on their backs and all of those things that we do to show our children how much we love them. We give them the best. We want our children to have the best, correct? But sometimes when we do that, that does not necessarily communicate how we love our children. Then we have Christian parents, those that say, well, of course I love my children. I've raised them in the church. Uh, I, I live for God in front of them. I show them how to live for the Lord. And then here's what we like. I love my children because I discipline them. The Bible says that God loves his children, and what does he do? He chastens those that he loves. And we go, spare the rod, spoil the child. So I love my child because guess what? When they show out, yeah, I show up. I really begin to look at that, that particular verse, and I looked at the word chasing. Well, let me, let me read a few verses. Proverbs 13 and 24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his child, but he that loveth him chaseth him betimes. Psalms 94 and 14 says, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, teach him out of thy law. Proverbs 19 and 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. And we go, see, there it is. I love my child, so I spank them. And that's true. We understand that corporal punishment is a part of raising children. But that chasing goes far beyond just spanking. I began to look at the word and it talked about correction and instruction. And so chastening of our children oftentimes goes beyond what we consider uh, mere correction or corporal punishment. It means to discipline, to correct or to provide correction, to reprove or to reprove or to provide instruction. It is often easier for us sometimes as parents to issue out a spanking than it is to provide instruction. They show up, they show out, what do we do? Get them in, get them in control, but yet there's an element that sometimes we miss, and that is the element of instruction. I can guarantee you that your child does not feel love while you are spanking them. I can guarantee you. But it is a part of raising our children. I don't want to belittle that, but it is a part of that. So the purpose of the lessons and the things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is how do we communicate, though, love to our children in a way that it helps them develop into strong, functioning men and women. I want to say that again. What we're going to talk about is, is how to communicate love in a way to our children that will cause them to develop 
strong, functioning men and women. And so uh, some of you, I can, I can hear you now, because when I first started reading the book, I said, well, my children are grown. My children are adults. They're out of the house. They're living on their own. But I can guarantee you, your children still want to be loved by you. And we still, even though they're grown and adults and out on their own, I still, and I still want to understand how to communicate love to my adult children. And it's important. So for those of us that have adult children, you may say, well, this is not for me. My children are already raised. Well, that, that is true. But I do believe that these lessons will also help you to communicate love to your adult children. Okay? So what are the objectives over the next couple of weeks? Our objective number one is this. We want to learn how to show uh, our children unconditional love in a way that he or she understands and also receive love. You know, our children, they, they know at the basic core of themselves, they know that you love them. They really do. But they want that love communicated to them in a certain way. Even you do. We want love communicated to us in a certain way. And so it takes work, though. It takes work in a marriage relationship, in any relationship. It does not matter. Whatever the relationship is, it takes work to understand how to love and how to um, ensure that the person that you're loving receives it and comprehends that you love them. So the first objective is to learn how to show our children unconditional love in a way that he or she understands it and in a way that they can receive it. That's number one. Number two, now since love is the most basic need of every child or any person, we need to find out how our child uniquely receives love. Okay? That's why we talked about the five basic languages of love. And then number three is we need to learn how to love them in that way. Even though I may understand how my child uh, receives love, I still need to learn how to, to give that love to them in a specific way, in the way that they can receive it. Okay, sometimes we will give love the same way we want to receive love. But that may not necessarily be the way the person you're trying to give that love to can receive it and comprehend it. And we need to understand, okay, like I have two daughters. They are very different. One is outgoing, talkative. The other is quiet, doesn't say a whole lot. When they were younger, and I've almost figured out their love languages, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but there were some things that I did with my daughters when they were young that I later learned that my oldest, she was all about it. My youngest, she just tolerated it. 
But once I begin to, to go through this book and look at each of the individual love languages, I begin to see them uh, in a different way. And so as a result of these things, it will make disciplining, it will make teaching them much more manageable and effective. How many of you like to discipline their, your children? What, what was that? We don't really uh, like it or enjoy it, but we know we have to have it. It has to be done. And so when, when you can establish that language of love between you and your child, it makes disciplining them, training them so much more effective. It is, it is, it is something when... Uh, and I will use this. I will use this relationship. I will use the pastoral uh, person in the pew, the saints relationship. If you know you have a pastor that loves you and cares for you and is concerned for you, it will be much easier for you to receive pastoral instruction from them. It's the same way in a relationship, any relationship, when you know that somebody loves you and cares for you, it's easy for them to tell you, now, brother, you know you weren't right. Let me help you. Let me teach you. Let me instruct you. You learn that it comes from a place of love, and so that is what it should be in our relationship with our children. And we want to make sure that, that that is communicated to them in such a way where they can receive it. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 4 verse 16 in this week we're talking about love is the foundation love is the foundation I have some handouts that I'm going to hand out shortly I only printed out about 25 we may have to print out a few more uh, yes one to each family in the Now, don't read down too far into it. 1 John, the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse number 16. Love is the foundation of everything we do, of what we communicate with our children and to our children. Love is the foundation. We want to make sure of that. 1 John 4 and 16 reads this way, and it says, And we have known and believed that God is... Uh, that the love that God hath to us, God is love. Everybody say, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now, I believe this, that there is nothing greater that we can do to ensure that our child or our children desires a relationship with God that it happens by us communicating to them the love of God. What am I saying here? I want my child to, to desire to, to have a relationship with the Lord. There is nothing greater than we can do than to, to show them the love of God by the way that we love them and how we communicate love to them. 
they will understand and be able to comprehend and receive God's love by the way we give it to them. Some children's view of God and how he will react to them will be how their parent reacts to them. If we are the type of parent that everything is explosive, everything deserves corporal punishment, everything deserves punishment, everything is my way, the highway, and that's it, no in-between, that will be the same way children will receive God's love, or they will view it that way. Okay? So it is important in how we display God's love to them. Okay? He loves us unconditionally. While we were what? Yet sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. His love is unconditional and not predicated on what we have done. You ever heard anybody say, well... I want to wait till I get my life just right before I come to church or before I, you know, try to get right. I, I got to get everything. No, he wants us to come just as we are. And so oftentimes when our children, uh, when they grow up, and I want to talk to those that have adult children now, when they grow up and maybe they go down a path that, that, that we don't like, we still, as parents, have to be able to give to them unconditional love. That doesn't mean you approve of the lifestyle, but it does mean that you still need to communicate to them in a way that they know you love them in spite of their circumstance, in spite of their situations. They know that you love them. We're going to talk about that here a little bit more. Love is the foundation for helping our children to develop, number one, we've got four points here. Number one, healthy self-esteem. Everybody say healthy self-esteem. That word is a pretty broad word, okay? Healthy self-esteem, what we're talking about is one thing. The world sometimes, when they talk about health, uh, healthy self-esteem, can quickly become arrogance and overconfidence and self-confidence in such a way that it is contrary to God's way. But I want you. I want to. I want to read something. Uh, first of all, it is not possible for us to love others if we do not love ourselves. I want to say that again. It is not possible for us to love others if we do not love ourselves. Mark 12, verses 29 through 31 says, Which is the first commandment of, law, of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is what? One Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So it is important for us 
to understand that our children have to have a healthy self-esteem. They have to love themselves so that they can love others. They have to have a healthy self-esteem, first of all, so that they can love him, and then they can love their neighbor. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So healthy self-esteem is number one. Number two, uh, we want them to learn how to handle anger or emotion. Anger, when not tempered by love, can move a person to wrath and violence. The scripture says to be angry and what? And sin not. We want them to be able to handle emotions, and you can do that by showing them love. My grandson, he is pretty emotional sometimes. Unlike my daughters, they were very calm, didn't show much emotions when they were young. When I gave them instruction, they did it. My grandson, on the other hand, hey, go do this. Oh! Like, what's going on here? And this is a good reason for me to read this book because I've got to learn how to communicate love to him in a way that he can receive it. I grew up in a home my mom was a disciplinary. I mean, there was just, it was, you told the line and there was no questions. It was just the way it was. My dad, he was, he was the same way, but I got very few whippings from, from my dad because my mom would beat him to the punch. My mom wasn't the type, you wait till your daddy gets home. Nope, I was like, I'd be glad when daddy gets home. And so one of my first, I'm pretty tough on children, and I have to temper myself. But one of my first reactions is, where's my belt? <laughs> but I'm learning that my grandson, I've got to communicate to him. I've got to chasten him in other methods, in other ways, in order for him to receive that instruction. So I was just kind of helping myself preaching that or teaching that. So. so we want them to be able to handle anger and their emotions. Number three, we want them to develop healthy relational skills. People who love and feel love will often have better and deeper relationships with others. People who love will often have better and deeper relationships with others. And then number four, we want them to develop their special gifts and talents to contribute to society. I believe everybody has gifts, and talents, and abilities, things that they can do, but what helps pull that out of people is when others love them and encourage them uh, people feel the courage to, to step out and to try things without fear of failure. Why do I say that? Sometimes love is conditional in the minds of those 
that are seeking for it. Sometimes if we're not careful, we will, we will provide our children that feeling of love because of something they have done and not because of who they are. And, and what happens is, is we are sometimes afraid to try things because we fear of failure. And what happens is we associate success in an area with the communication of love. Okay, and so we want to make sure that our love is unconditional and communicated in a way that it is not predicated on what you do or how you do it, but because of who you are. That way it will give our children confidence to try things and not worrying about failing in those things. And so once again, the book is titled The Five Love Languages of Children. So what is language? What is language? Communication. Anybody else? What is language? expression. So here's what the definition says. It is the method of human communication, either spoken or written, consisting of the use of words in a structured and conventional way. But when we talk about the language of love, we're talking about more than just words. Okay? The language of love includes maybe words, maybe written expressions, but also actions, also uh, time given, also uh, gifts that may be given. And so this book uh, talks about each of those things. The five basic languages and how to find out what your child's primary love language is, and, and even your own primary love language, you'll be able to decipher and understand how you receive uh, love. And so you will learn how to respond to your child in the best way for him to understand and receive discipline, learning, anger, or encouragement. So um, here's a question for you. Does your child, whether it's a young child, whether it's an adult child, does your child feel loved? And the crowd would say, <laughs> the crowd would say yes but here's another question has your child ever told you I can never do anything right or I can never please you these may be indicators to the fact that your child does not feel loved didn't say that they, they weren't loved or they didn't know that they were loved, but that maybe they didn't feel love. As we stated earlier, love is the foundation. You may say, uh, it, it's, it, it's too far gone for me. I, found, I can't, my children have grown, I can't lay the foundation. But I begin to think about that when I talk, when, when, when I start to, to, to look at this first chapter, love is the foundation. Sometimes we lay a foundation that maybe isn't secure uh, the way we would like it, like for it to be. But you can always go back and repair a foundation. 
I learned that when I first got to Texas. They started telling me when you look for a house, make sure you look for cracks in the foundation. So every time I went looking for a house, I was looking for cracks. I'm like, everything else my wife was looking for, I'm looking for cracks. Because I wanted to make sure the house that I purchased had a strong foundation. So I, I, I want to say this, because oftentimes when you teach lessons like this, for, 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 for those of us that may have children that are not exactly on the path that we would like for them to be on, sometimes we kind of we become shrinking violence. And I, and I don't want you to do that, because there are no perfect parents. Okay, All of us, when we get to look back and to reflect, we can always see that there was something that we could have done better. There's something that we could have done differently. Okay? Um, you know, and, and here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm learning just from reading this book. You know, the Bible is not a manual for raising children. It will give you principles and things to do to help you raise children. But the purpose of the Bible was not to show us and to teach us how to raise children. Anybody disagree with that? It's okay if you do. The Bible will give us principles. It will give us instructions how to live life. It will... The purpose of the Bible, what does it do? It opens up, it gives us an understanding of our relationship with God. It tells us about what happened in the beginning, how man became in the state that he was in. But it ultimately tells us how to get back to relationship with the Lord. It has all of those other things, but it is not going to give you a step-by-step -step plan on how to raise your children. It doesn't tell you when they reach the terrible twos, this is what you've got to do. It doesn't tell you when you when they get to the to the to the teenage years where all of the turmoil goes on, it doesn't tell you just step by step, line by line, this is what you have to do. It doesn't tell you when they get ready to to go into the world and live their own life. It doesn't tell you step by step what you have to do. That's not the purpose of the Bible. So we have to work to figure out what are the things that we need to do to help raise our children. And that's, and, and, I, and I mostly look at myself because I look now at how I prepared my children. I think I did a, a good job. I know my wife did a great job. But I understand now that there was so much more as a parent I could have done. Now, there's one or two things I could do. I could, you know, get really upset with myself and go, man, I blew it. Or I could say, well, you know, I'm still a parent. I still have children. Even though they're adults, I still have influence in their lives simply because I am their parent. And there is a love relationship with them. And that's when I, when I begin to think about that, I became more excited about this book here than I was when I first thought about it or heard about it. 
And so I, I, I just want to stop there and share. It does not matter where you are in your relationship with your children, whether they're like this little precious one that's enjoying his spot right now. just <laughs> Or they could be out on their own, living their own life. You still have influence in the lives of your children and we just have to understand how do we communicate love to them in such a way that they can receive it. And I believe that when we do that, it will help them to desire the relationship with the, with the Lord that we want them to have. Amen? So, with language, it's a way of communicating, not just words, but also actions. And so we want our children to feel uh, loved. It takes work to understand how your child receives love. You have to be attentive. You have to consciously think, how does my child receive love? Am I giving it to them the way they can receive it? You have to watch the interactions between you and them and between them and others. You have to see how they approach you because they will tell you Maybe not right out. You know, your two-year-old child is not going to come up and say, this is the way I receive love, Dad. They're not going to do that. But they will communicate it in a way that if you are looking, if you are watching, or if you are listening, you can understand that's that child's way of receiving love. So what, what are the five love languages? Here they are. The first one is physical touch. The second one is words of affirmation. The third is quality time. The fourth is gifts. How many like gifts? Uh, I can see right now she's like, yeah, I like that one right there. Gifts. And then the last one is acts of service. So quick, I want to share a story from the book real quick story from the book there was a there was a couple by the name of Brad and Emily they had an eight-year-old son uh, who had he was around uh, I guess eight years old he was a, a above average student in school but all of a sudden uh, he began to struggle in class all of a sudden uh, the teacher noted that um, even though she would give him instructions he would uh, get back to his desk and then he would quickly come to her, her desk and ask for uh, an explanation for her to explain uh, the lesson. He would go back and uh, she would you know, continue on and once again he'd come back uh, to her desk and he would ask again uh, for instructions. And so uh, the parents begin to wonder, you know, what's wrong with uh, our son Caleb was his name. And so they had him tested. They thought, well, maybe he's not hearing uh, as well. Uh, and then they thought, well, maybe it's comprehension. Maybe he's not comprehending uh, what the teacher is saying. But then there were some other things that took place. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, he began to become a little antisocial. Uh, the teacher noticed that uh, he would begin to push uh, the other students in class. She noticed that when she would come to the playground, uh, when he would look up and see her on the playground, he would leave all of the other children and he would quickly uh, run up to her. And so uh, they, they begin to question and begin to try to figure out uh, what was going on uh, 
with Caleb. And so in, in, you could read the book if you, if you purchased it, but they ended up having an opportunity to talk with uh, Mr. Chap Chapman, uh, Gary Chapman, the author of the book. And he began to inquire a little bit and, and talk to them uh, a, a little bit about their family and about their family situation. And, and what Mr. Chapman found out very quickly, the dad was a sales rep. and He spent a lot of time away on service calls. And, and there was a time when Caleb was younger, he would spend a lot of time with Caleb. He would take him to football games. But now they would just stay home and they would maybe watch it on the television. And, and while they were watching, of course, dad being the salesman, he would be catching up on emails and phone calls and all of those different things. And, and the mom was a stay-at-home mom for a while. She worked part-time. But, but now this year, while Caleb was in the third grade, she decided that she was going to go to work full-time. And so she would work all day, and sometimes she would get off late at night. And so in those cases, the grandmother would have to pick up Caleb and would take Caleb home. And, and then the mom would get there, and she would, they would, uh, the mom would come and pick up Caleb from the grandmother's house, and they would eat dinner maybe and spend a few uh, moments with the grandmother but then they would have to rush home and put Caleb to bed and this cycle continued and so they went to uh, the seminar with uh, uh, Gary Chapman and they quickly learned about the five love languages uh, and this one was a seminar basically for couples but uh, they came back excited after the seminar and began to, to um, joyously tell uh, Mr. Chapman about what they had learned in the seminar. It was more than just what they learned about themselves, but during that time, they figured out the key ingredient for their son and his behavior. What they realized was that Caleb's love language was quality time. And they understood that over that year of the third grade, from the beginning of the third grade, when the dads began to spend more time away and the mom began to work full time, that their son was missing the quality time that they had spent before. And so in the book, it talks about how these parents, they went off and they didn't um, get back with Mr. Chapman, but several years later, they had a chance, an opportunity to meet up with him again. And he asked them about their son and they began to tell uh, him about what they, what they had done in order to, to try to bridge the gap. And they began to spend more time with their son and, and basically what happened, they saw their son's behavior begin to turn around. What am I saying with all of that? We have to be uh, on purpose when it comes to understanding how our children receive love. I haven't quite figured it all out, but I know my oldest, she loves quality time. She, it doesn't matter. My wife goes in one room, you know what she does? My wife gets up and goes in another room. She loves quality time. When she was a little girl, every weekend I would take them. We'd go to the library and we'd spend time in the library looking through the bookshelves. She loved the Babysitter's Club and she would read all the books. She loved that quality. Now, my youngest, she would go, but she doesn't necessarily have to have quality time. As long as she knows you're in the house, you're alive, she's okay. 
We have to know what our children's love language, what their love languages are. Now, it'll be one of these five. It'll be the primary. But all the others you want to include as well. You know, I've heard parents say, you know, it really doesn't matter what we do when they're small because, you know, when they get older, they're going to do what they want to do anyway. How many of you ever heard that? It, it, it really doesn't matter. They, you know, they're going to do what they want to do anyway. Some of that comes out of frustration when their children doesn't quite hit the expectations that they have for them. But here's what I say to that is that our expression of love, our communication of love to our children should not be predicated on their performance. What they're really saying is, is what does love have to do with it? Better put, the expression of love is conditional, is what they're saying. Does this mean that you can't or, or you can communicate love to your child in a way that they feel it and they receive it and then they still, they, you know, they don't make any bad decisions? No. You can communicate and you can do everything just right. And they can still grow up and make decisions that are not right. It's called life. But we want to do everything we can communicate love to them in a way that they know that no matter what happens, no matter what comes, no matter what goes, that they can always come to you and feel love. There are always exceptions in life, but in general, most children will not do their best if they do not genuinely feel love. But I, really, I just had a, a question. And um, so we know that you need to uh, show your kids this and, and about unconditional love. But a lot of times their parents or I find that parents, uh, when their kids aren't doing right or made certain choices in life, they feel as if it's a, a reflection of them and they become embarrassed and they're concerned about what their peers are, are thinking about them and stuff. Uh, how do you how do you help those individuals get beyond that to get to where they are showing their children that unconditional love that is a great question and, and I've I've known parents in that situation and just to be quite frank you know my, my daughters are great they have made some decisions as adults that I go, what were you thinking? But what you have to remember is, is that, number one, they are adults. And they do make decisions on their own. And what I, in my circumstances and situations, I understand that I've done everything that I know to do. And at the end of the day, what, what happened, what I think is, at, at some point in the relationship, our, our, our expression of love and the way we communicate with them 
has to do with what they do. And so sometimes that's why those feelings and emotions come over us because it's, it's not them, but it's what they've done. It's out of balance. And what we have to understand is, is that they're children. I figured my wife would have something. So many times what happens is we, <clears throat> the, to answer your question, you're thinking, okay, as a parent, they're concerned about what someone else thinks. Well, that's because what we do as people is we compare. What we say is that, well, maybe I didn't do something just right. Well, you don't know the whole story in someone else's home. There are things that happen in the lives of people's children that you don't know about. It's just that sometimes kids make certain choices that it comes out because they got caught, okay? It doesn't mean that your neighbor, your neighbor's child did not do the same thing that your child did. Okay, so sometimes what happens is, and the Bible talks about this, comparing. When you compare, that is unwise. Because what you do is you're also looking at comparing someone's strengths to your weaknesses or your child's. And you should not compare or expect your child to be like anyone else's because they are themselves. It's who they are. But as an adult child, they are going to make choices. And you have to understand, they made that choice. But I, you know that you taught them different, but you still have to say, okay, they made that choice. I'm gonna pray for them. I'm going to love them. And sometimes it's not easy not to be upset with them. That's just human nature. However, my concern is, what does the Lord say? What does the Lord think? If my peers are judging me according to what my children do, that's on them, not on me. That's not for me to be concerned about because I guarantee you there's something about their children that you will never know. And it's really none of your concern. However, they may have made a different choice. And then there are some children that don't do certain things, but there are kids, most kids do something that even we as parents never know about. So let's not compare, let's think about what does God say? What does he want? Because that's just not our place. I've sinned, you've sinned, my daughter's sinned, your kids have sinned. Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short but but God the perfect parent did everything right and Adam and Eve still chose because there's outside influence amen you're not the only influence Eve was deceived and she made a bad choice sometimes our kids get deceived thinking that somebody knows better than what their parents have taught them and uh, or what the Word of God has taught them through their parents and, and, and some are just outright rebellious like Adam who was not deceived and yet sinned also. Amen. And so that's just, you know, and that was the Lord. But he still loved him, didn't he? Amen. We need to close. I, I want to close with this, though. And, and that was a great segue into this. You're right. 
sometimes we take it harder. But with that, understand this as a parent, even when your child makes poor decisions or bad decisions or rebellious decisions, you still need to love them unconditionally. Unconditionally. It's not based on their performance, what they've done, whether they sin, whether they have not sinned. It's because they're your children. Amen? All right, let's all stand. There's a, there's a handout here. There's some questions on there. We didn't get a chance to really go through them. You can review that during the week, and then next week we'll maybe talk about it here quickly. Amen? All right. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time. Help us, O oh God, open up our hearts and our understanding to receive your word. Bless the remaining of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.